the, the things that we should prioritize are pretty easy. You take everything that we're 50th or 49th or 47th in and say, we got to do better than this. All righty. Welcome in, boys and girls. Another fine episode of Alabama Politics This Week. I am Josh Moon. That is... David Person. <laughs> it's, a, well, it's, a, it's quite the enunciation today. It uh, did... Are you yeah. are you angry today, David? Or no, I'm not angry today. I but I am I am sober. I think this is mm. a sober time for our nation and oh, for yeah. our oh, state yeah. and for yeah. our state because yeah, uh, well. because our our state, unfortunately, as you've pointed out uh, in your writing over the past week or so, and as uh, our guest uh, who's going to be joining us uh, has pointed out. We are inextricably linked to this challenging time that our that our nation is in. I think Alabama is playing unfortunately, Alabama via our elected officials is playing a very unique and disturbing role in what's happening in our country. Yep. Yeah, it's, you know, uh <laughs> it's mm. um you know, I, first of all, I will say uh, that I very rarely do this podcast sober. So uh, it's, <laughs> it helps. It helps. Oh, so that's what you're drinking. I always thought it was water. My bad. <laughs> uh, I don't drink. Um, but so. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Which leaves a uh, lot of room for speculation about what we're talking about then, yeah. uh, Josh. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. Uh, but no, it's a. Um, you're right. It, listen, I you know I said when uh, when when this group went to D.C., the Trump group went to D.C. that uh, the Alabamization of America was underway, um, and you know I, I think we have seen we've seen evidence of that being the case over the last four and a half years or so, and I, I just you know I, I think that we're this is the result of what happens when. You put people in charge who are self-interested to a, to their own detriment and the detriment of everyone around them, and this is what happens when you put people in charge who are not very bright. Uh, they do incredibly dumb things in an attempt to enrich themselves uh, or to stay in power, and you know, and then their dumb friends go along with it, and that's what we've seen. I bet pretty much sums up the Trump presidency, really. I mean, doing dumb things for power and money and having their dumb friends go along with it. I mean, that, is there a better description of the of the Trump tenure? I mean, to me, that covers probably 80 to 80 to 85 percent of it. The only the only part that I think is missing is that I think there was a callous. And I think this is unique to Trump. This has nothing mm-hmm. to do with greed or even uh, or even partisanship, I think mm-hmm. there was a uniquely callous disregard for the values of this country, the constitutional values, uh, the values that we were all taught or many of us were taught in church or synagogue or temple or even just having good, decent parents as, or, or people in our lives. I mean, just a callous mm-hmm. disregard for all of those values, societal values, constitutional values that we've never seen from a president. 
And the sad thing is that I think it has trickled down and infected or maybe exacerbated is maybe even a better word. Some of the, some of those same uh, propensities uh, in other people like Mo Brooks, but not just Mo Brooks. Uh, you know, he's not alone in this. People who have just, who really don't give a damn. I mean, I don't know how else to say it when it comes to these things that we value. And, and, and again, this is to the detriment of our country. And, and I say this as a person, Josh, you know, I've been liberal, a liberal voter for as long as I've been voting. But right. I understand that everybody's not a liberal. And I understand that, you know, there are, Good people, well-meaning people on both sides of an issue. So this is not about I'm targeting a Republican or I'm just, I hate Republican. No, I don't hate Republicans. You know, and I don't even, and, and I have even voted for Republicans in my life, not because I agreed with their policies necessarily, but because I believe in their competency and their character. But But here we have a situation where there's something fundamentally rotten at the core of the Trump presidency and the Trump administration, and then consequently with the sycophants who have been around him, people like, again, I hate to say it, but it's true, for the state of Alabama, people like Mo Brooks. And I know we're going to get into later Tommy Tuberville, much towards the end of the podcast, who I think falls in a different category but still a problematic category, which I think you, you, you wrote about very well in your most recent column. Yeah. Listen, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, a lot of, um, a lot of the callousness and a lot of the disregard for, uh, you know, American values and American norms, uh, you know, political norms anyway, uh, from the from the Trump administration and from people around him uh, was a direct result of those people's uh, sort of lust for power and and money. Uh, you know, I think that you see somebody like a Mitch McConnell uh, who who really took advantage of the Trump distraction in a lot of ways to to enrich himself uh, through his wife uh, and the things that they were doing. Uh, and to also, you know, uh, uh, put power into what his position as the Senate Majority Leader uh, by ushering through, you know, what two hundred some odd judges, uh, and, and drastically altering the 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 shape of uh, and you know what's going to be forever, uh, you know, for a, a very long time, uh, the way the courts operate in this in this country, and uh, so. Yeah, I think all of that, man. You know, I think that that, that that's true, and uh, and I understand the the sobering what what we've seen the last couple of days uh, through the impeachment uh, hearings or trial uh, is, I, I mean, you watch those videos, and I don't know how, I don't know how anybody doesn't doesn't vote to convict the president. And it's not here's the thing. I understand that a lot of times, you know, in, 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 let's take a court case for example. You you don't want to sh- you know you look at the uh, the murder the photos of the murder victim, you know, and that uh, in, in influences the jury 
to to vote to convict on a motion alone and and so some people have drawn a similar comparison to to what you've seen there and and tried to say well yeah listen it was bad and everybody says it was bad but you're not tying the president to this you know this the the fact that it was bad uh, doesn't have anything to do with the charge against the president which is inciting these people to go and do this and my only response to them is then why were they there why hmm. were they there Tell me, That's right. tell me that. That's it, right. Explain to me why those people were there. Why did they go? Right. Why were they angry? Why did they show up to D.C.? Why did they go to the Capitol that day? Why did they go and do that? Why were they there to fight like hell? Why? Why were they there? Why were they looking for Mike Pence specifically? You know, and they told why, us. why all of those things? Tell me those things. Explain them to me. Why did that That's happen? Right. And if you can give me a good explanation, then I'll be on your side and tell you that Donald Trump does not need to be uh, impeached out of this and convicted. Uh, but I don't think you can do it because there's no reason that that bunch of uh, jackasses went to the Capitol that day other than Donald Trump incited them, angered them, and then directed them to the Capitol and then specifically directed them to Mike Pence. That's right. And their own words are what convict, uh, I think, Trump in this regard. Their own words. They said, I mean, we can, we, you know, I watched the videos, or some of them at least, like you, and mm -hmm. you can actually hear people saying, we're here because Trump told us to be here. No, that's, I mean, there was one instance where a guy was reading Trump's tweets through a bullhorn to the crowd about Mike yeah. Pence. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. It, uh, it is a it it just is it's a sickening. Uh, you watch those things. It's just the the amount of idiocy and ignorance and hatefulness and anger and you know just just misplaced anger uh, there from a bunch of people who who really don't have a problem in the damn world. You know, really they don't have a problem in the world. Hmm. Uh, it, it's it, it they they made up a reason to be angry and to be hostile. They, they, otherwise, they don't have any issues at all. These aren't un they weren't unemployed people there. They weren't you know no, nothing had happened to them. None of their rights had been taken away. You know they they hadn't been you know police hadn't shot any of them. Hell, right. the police didn't even shoot any of them when they were beating them. Right. Uh, so I mean it just. You know, which I got to say, when you watch those videos and you notice the amount of abuse that police officers took, which yep. was, I mean, abhorrent. I yep. mean, it was really just, oh, my. Yep. but the amount of abuse that they took without firing a shot back at anybody is really, really something, isn't it? Well, I believe mean, me, as a black man in America, mm -hmm. I will never forget that. And many of us will never forget that as black people in America, especially in light of the fact that we have seen far too many black men shot and killed who were not only unarmed and not only mm -hmm. not guilty of anything, but in some cases who were retreating from police, who were retreating mm -hmm. unarmed, who, in yeah. fact, Walter Scott, South Carolina, was running away from a cop yeah. and shot in the yeah. back and killed. I mean, so yeah. we see that sort of thing, and then we watch what happened on the at the Capitol, and we think, really, really. So I yeah, mean, we'll never forget this. Here's the other I, thing, though, that I wanted to bring up about what you're when you talk about the Capitol, Josh. Mm -hmm. Listen to how Trump, and not just Trump, but other leading Republicans, have been quick to say. Well, anybody who was violent and broke the law, they need to be prosecuted. Oh, really? 
So if I'm a if I'm Joe Schmo from you know some part of Alabama or Arkansas who drove up there, you know, thinking that I was doing the will of my leader, then to mm-hmm. hear him say they need to be prosecuted or they need to be held responsible, or to hear Lindsey Graham, his boy, say the same thing, I would be madder than than a boar. You know, yeah. in in the Arkansas bog. I mean, that that's just crazy. How yeah, in the that's... world can you not be angry when you have sacrificed yourself, and and you're probably facing, and many of them are going to be facing arrest. You know, if the FBI yeah. does its job. Um, I, I mean, it's all been it's all been bullshit. Yeah. It's all been bullshit. Yeah, I don't understand sure. how they don't say. I mean, everything. Uh, the yeah. Q conspiracies, uh, the the election fraud, the all of it, man. Yeah. It was all made up. It was all the scam of a con artist that you elected uh, based on nonsense. Mm-hmm. All right, it's mm-hmm. all it was. It's all. It's been four years of bullshit, and, and it's just I don't even know what else to say about but, it. But anymore. I guess what I wonder if you don't is see why. It, why are they not outraged, Josh, that they have been quickly thrown under the bus by their fearless leader? Well, because it's easier to fool someone than it is to convince someone that they've been fooled. Uh, that's, I mean, okay. really. Okay. It, it, okay. I mean, it's, okay. uh, and I, I forget who who said that, but okay. uh, it was a, that's a fairly famous quote from someone. Uh, but it's a, you know, it is. It's, it's, it's easier to, to fool somebody. Mm-hmm. Than it is for somebody to come along and say you've been fooled by this con artist, uh, you know you've been caught up in the Ponzi scheme, you've been you've been tricked by the Nigerian, uh, you know. I mean, it really is, you know, that's just how it works, man. And I, I, I don't, I, I don't know it, you know, I, I don't know what gets these people back at all. I don't know what turns somebody anymore, you know, away from this. I, I mean, you look at what's what's gone on. Uh, over the years and what they've been fed from Fox News and Limbaugh and uh, Hannity and, and everybody else uh, there on the right. Uh, I mean, at what point don't do, do the lies not add up to you going, wait a minute, you know, wait, wait a damn minute. These people just keep lying to me, you know, That's right. but instead they make an excuse, just brush it aside. They don't even try to answer it. There's not even a real answer for what happened. They just brush it aside. It's like a weatherman who missed the snow forecast. You know, they just, hey, come back the next day. Hey, it was sunny yesterday. What do you know? You know, yep. and it just, hey, it's, <laughs> it's just that sort of a thing. And, uh, I, I, and you know, and they just roll on like it never happened. And I don't know, man. It just, you know, I I, I don't know. I just, I, I can't wrap my head around, you know, why, why they're still doing this and why what what their reasoning is behind this? I mean, it's, it's just like with uh, Steve Ducey, uh, that you know, the junior Ducey at uh, at Fox News, who was asking the questions uh, the other day, and the uh, new White House press secretary was was you know, had to give him the full quote of what, what of what was actually said about uh, green jobs and uh, and what was actually said about the pipeline stuff that was going on and. Uh, you know, and it just, I, I was like, don't they ever get tired of being wrong about these things, of being factually incorrect? There's a difference between having a, a difference of opinion. Like you were saying earlier, you know, you can respect 
a difference of opinion. You know, if you tell me that you have a conservative viewpoint, uh, you know, especially economics or whatever, and you believe that if we tax the wealthy less or businesses less, that that will result in more jobs and a better economy and, and people down at the bottom being lifted up. I can accept, I don't agree, I can accept yeah. that that right. is a reasonable way to look at the world and that you believe that because you have seen some evidence of this in your life. But, I mean, you know, if, if you're you're telling me that Donald Trump is Q and is going to solve a, a global pedophile ring, that's idiotic, you know? And it's just, I, I, that's where I've, I've been lost so much by the Republican Party of today and what, what's gone on with it. And uh, I, I don't know how they get things back on the rails uh, after, yeah. after this debacle. A uh, global so. pedophile ring that involves killing children after you've molested them to drink their blood and something about people being reptilians. I mean, it's all yeah, just... It's, Lizard people. Lizard yeah, I mean, what, and, what in uh, the freaking world? <laughs> I, and it's all, you know, you know, they had the whole bottom of the pizza base, basement of the pizza parlor right. kind of thing, and right. it just, uh, I don't, you know, man, I, I that, and it just, I listened to a to a podcast uh, the other day on um, uh, the QAnon uh, conspiracy stuff, and and I mean, there there are still there. There was a lady that they interviewed, and it was a there was a New York Times. Um, a writer that on there and he was interviewing a lady from the Upper East Side in, in New York City in Manhattan who was a Harvard graduate uh, very well off and she was a firm believer in the Q conspiracy. She wow. was a firm believer that Donald Trump was going to solve this pedophile ring and you know it, and it, it, I just and it was coming it's coming. They're going to arrest Joe Biden uh, at some point and now I think they've settled on like March the 6th or third or something along those lines uh but uh it just is it never ends and they just roll on to the next idiotic thing and uh, so you know i don't know maybe maybe the only thing we can do is is try to focus on uh on business at at home and we have our uh, uh our legislature <laughs> such that it is uh in session and and they are uh Man, they're running through the they're running through the stuff. Uh, we've we've got a couple of monuments bills back in back in the news. We have a transgender bill that uh, is in the news. Uh, we got a pretty big gambling bill, which uh, I think is actually oddly a, pr a pretty good gambling bill. Uh, it's gonna gonna end up helping the state uh, some and in, in raising revenue. But I don't know. Uh, I, I assume you have uh, you followed along with a few of these things here. Uh, yeah. You have. Uh, have you looked at the at the gambling bill and and what are you what are your thoughts? Uh, I actually have not looked at the gambling bill, so I'm yeah. going to do that. And uh, and I mean I but I'll just tell you this: my general approach to gambling is in the state is pretty simple. I'm yeah. for it. I'm for it. <laughs> and the reason I'm for it is that I think the people of Alabama have long spoken on the issue of gambling. Just in a very bizarre kind of way. I remember years ago, Milton McGregor, I sat and listened, uh, I was at a, at a meeting uh, with Milton McGregor and some other people, and I sat and listened to him as he kind of talked about the, 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 you know, his rationale for what he was doing and why he was doing it. And the thing that really jumped out at me that has never been disputed, in fact, has only been proven through the years is that when you look at gambling in our neighboring states where it's legal, mm -hmm. 
outside of the population of those neighboring states, you know, people who are buying lotto tickets or whatever it is they're doing, the next biggest population of people to gamble in those states, according to what I understand, is Alabamians. It's Alabamians. Yeah. So, you know, to me, we've got this sort of bizarre mindset where for some reason we feel like we can gamble everybody, everywhere else, but we don't want to gamble in the state. Well, well the, the, and say this is, well, listen, I, 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 let me take a, a step further here. Oh, good. All right. Because so, I hear a lot of people say exactly what you say. And I, and I often follow up with, with that by telling them, first of all, you're right. You're right. That uh, all around us, uh, the biggest lottery uh, store the, the 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 convenience stores that sell the most lottery tickets are the ones along the Alabama border and all the states that offer a lottery around us. Right. Uh, uh, the biggest out of state, uh, the biggest players in a lot of cases in most of the Mississippi casinos are Alabama players. Mm. Um, so you're right about all that. Here's the other thing, though. We already have gambling in this state. And that's right? true. We have that's we true. have three very large uh, Porch Creek Indian casinos. We have Green Track. We have the Birmingham Race Course. We have Victory Land. We have the Mobile Greyhound Park. Uh, so we have gambling all over the place. And that's not to mention all of uh, the back of the convenience store <laughs> places where you can go in and, and do a little gambling on the side uh, and all of the places in Greene County that are in addition to Green Track. So, yeah, I mean, you got, uh, you know, there's a ton of gambling all around this. What we don't have and what we've never had is a revenue source out of it uh, because the Porch Creek Indians pay no, no state taxes uh, because they're a sovereign nation. Uh, they, uh, the now victory land and some of the other ones, they do pay some taxes, but it's a very small amount, especially compared to, so the current bill that we have that's before uh, the state legislature and passed out of committee uh, yesterday was, uh, was supposed to be on the Senate floor on Thursday uh, to, for a discussion, uh, that, but no vote. And that bill would allow up to five additional casinos. Now, that's a little bit misleading because four of the five locations are already in existence. Uh, that would be uh, Mobile, Greene County, uh, Birmingham, and Victoryland in, in okay. Macon County. Uh, the only new one would be a new one in uh, Northeast Alabama, DeKalb Jackson uh, area, which is going to end up being around Fort Payne. Uh, area there so uh you know just off the interstate so that, those that's what this bill does and then it's going to authorize a compact with uh with the governor so at those locations at what would ultimately be eight locations in the state you're going to have uh full casinos with sports wagering and in addition to that you're going to have a lottery uh so that would it's going to produce somewhere i would say it's going to end up being somewhere around a billion dollars a year in revenue uh, from those places, which is a lot of money, you know, and you can do a lot of things with that. And uh, the lottery uh, proceeds are going to go to uh, scholarships uh, exclusively. Hundred percent of that goes to you know to post secondary scholarships. Uh, then the the casino revenue is going to be broken up along the lines of uh, uh, IT infrastructure. Specifically, they're going to devote the first billion dollars to broadband expansion throughout the state, which is a good plan, I think. Uh, you know, yeah. I think the pandemic has exposed a, a real need there. Uh, you're going to have rural health care 
uh, mental health care that are addressed in this, although it's pretty vague on how those things are addressed. Um, and then uh, overall IT infrastructure and then just infrastructure throughout the state is going to be is where a lot of that money is going to go. Now, there's also going to be about $100 million as part of this that, that, that we haven't discussed yet that's going to come from the Porch Creek Compact. Um, and so, uh, you know, that that money is probably going to be determined uh, where that money goes is going to be determined uh, by Governor Kay Ivey who will enter into the compact. But I'm assuming the legislature will have a little bit of a say in that as well. And, um, you know, I I think personally what they should do is uh, is expand Medicaid, uh, you know, use the funds to, to expand Medicaid in the state. I think that would you could work with the Biden White House and the Democratic Congress uh, to reduce the cost of that overall. Uh, and then devote enough money to it through through the gambling stuff to to expand Medicaid and still have enough money left over for the scholarship program, uh, for uh, for the mental health care aspect of this, and and for the infrastructure uh, projects that you're looking at in terms of IT. So you know I think you could do all of those things. And to me, to me, now I know there's a lot of a lot of my liberal friends who see gambling as a tax on the poor, and to them. And I'm going to write this in a column either for uh, Friday or, or next week. Um, I would say we're already taxing the poor. All right. As I mentioned, we already have gambling here. We've got it all around us. So we are all, we're already taxing the poor uh, through gambling. What we're not having is the things that could take that money from that they're spending and lift the people up. And well, I think that's what, you know. Well, we're we're taxing the poor in the ways that you're saying, uh, if if you want to call it that, and I and I understand what people are saying. I'm always a little, to me, that's always been a dubious description because of the fact that the difference is with taxes, we have no choice. People right. do have a choice as to whether or not they gamble, and people yes. have a right in this country to decide if they want to use their disposable income or even their non-disposable income to gamble. They have a right to do so, even though I will be the first one to say, yes, it can be a problem for some people. It can be addictive. But we mm -hmm. know we got a lot of things in this country that are legal. Yeah, well, I won't say a lot of things, but several things, alcohol, cigarette use, others that are addictive. And we let those things go as well. Yeah. But if we really yeah. want to be concerned about taxing the poor, then what we need to do is take away the grocery tax. Stop taxing groceries. Yeah, I'm, and I meant to say to that. Yeah, I That's meant to say need. that as part as part of that as well. Uh, you know, is expand Medicaid, remove the grocery tax, remove the fuel tax. Uh, you know, the, the state fuel taxes, and that that uh, removes uh, so much of a burden off of the working class people and the poor in this state. In addition to providing them uh, with with a level of health care. Uh, that would, you know, that really help a lot of people out at this point in time. And, and I think that's, if we could do that, you fundamentally change the state going forward. Uh, you know, uh, I think it, it's a it's a huge thing. It, it, if you can do those things, remove those taxes, add in the Medicaid expansion and have the scholarship program. Uh, I mean, you've, you, you've changed the lives of people for a long, long time. So, all right. Well, I, I think we need to we need to slide out. Uh, we get uh, Kyle Whitmire, uh, al.com columnist, uh, second best columnist in the state, uh, in here. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 uh, wait. Second best. Who's number one? Who's number one? Uh, John Archibald, of course. Come on, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah. John Archibald is good. He is good. He's good. 
Yeah, they gave him a Pulitzer. So yeah. it's a yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. I, well, well, I have to. Talk. I have to applaud you. I thought you were going to say you really have to ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm down there somewhere. Yeah. Not somewhere on the list. I Look, mean, there's, man, there's I, only like five of us. So, so the hell, I've got to be on a list somewhere. I got to be in the top five. <laughs> well, you are without question, and I don't just say this to be saying it. As I've been very open about, I've been following you a long time. You are a great columnist. Great well, time. I appreciate that. That's that's uh, yeah. and, I, and listen, I, and I pay David well to say those things about. And me. you actually so don't. Uh, <laughs> that's right, <you're laughs> we right. can talk about that. <laughs> we can talk about that too. <laughs> so, oh, I didn't know that was a possibility. All right. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna slide out. We'll be back in just a minute. Alrighty, welcome back, Alabama Politics This Week. We are happy now, uh, and I, I introduce, I know you, you didn't hear this because you weren't here yet, Kyle, uh, but uh, I introduced Kyle as the second best columnist in the state, uh, and, and immediately David went right to, oh my God, he thinks he's the best columnist in the state, and I thought, no, he's a, uh, Archibald, right? So I mean, no, I, I was just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean the man that, wins a Pulitzer. You got to give him the top job. Yeah, if he has slot. a Pulitzer, you know it's it's hard to take that away from him. But. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, that, what is Kyle Well, I appreciate that. Whenever I whenever I go speak someplace, I have to tell a story about. Uh, you know, I, I worked for a lot of my career in places that didn't have uh, such things as employee performance reviews, which was great <laughs> because I hate the damn things. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I came to AL.com, now every six months or so, I've got to go in this little room with my boss and my boss's boss, and they've got to read my report card to me. And I go into these things ready to quit because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. But every time they say, oh, yeah, you're, you're doing good. Keep it up. But uh, a couple of years ago, I went into one and they said, you know, Kyle, we, we, they're extremely effusive, very complimentary. They said, Kyle, we just want to tell you how pleased we are with how you're doing. You are becoming one of the most highly read, well-respected, well-regarded, influential newspaper columnists in the entire state of Alabama. And I said, well, hell, I hope so. There's only two of us left. <laughs> I told David, uh, David like, well, where do you prank yourself? I thought, hell, i got to be in the top five. There's only five of us. I mean, it's, you know. It's, uh, it's, not like, it's not like in the old days. I, you know, I appreciate no. both of you guys in terms of column writing for newspapers. And back in the old yeah. days, there were, there were a few of yeah. us around. You could you could sling a cat and hit several of us, but not these yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah, We're an endangered species, that's yeah. for sure. But you guys, no doubt, but again, as somebody who's been in this business for a while and who's done it, I mean, knowing what you do uh, and knowing it intimately, again, I say, and I've said this about both of you to people in the state as well as out of the state, both of you, in my opinion, are a credit to... Uh, news uh, opinion journalism and uh, and I and I read both of you and and I and I and Kyle just so you'll know uh, I'm not just saying this to Josh because we do this podcast Josh I was following Josh back when I was doing a radio show uh, years ago uh, I would read Josh and follow him when he was at the Montgomery Advertiser and when you started writing for AL.com Kyle, I started following you because you were good. 
you guys are both great, and I and I know we need to get into some substantive talk now. Not all of this. Yeah, if you keep doing this, I might have to open up my hate mail just to keep my, my yeah, head screwed on straight. <laughs> I, <laughs> right. I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I honestly, I, I and I appreciate uh, obviously what what you said, Dave. I, I really, really do. Uh, but I have no idea how to respond to compliments. <laughs> you know, I'm so I'm so uh, accustomed to somebody saying, "I hate your guts, you liberal." You know, and I have no idea how to, how to t- I know how to respond to that. But somebody being nice, I'm always like, oh, "Thanks, bye." You know, I just, just <laughs> yeah. well, you, you know, got I, well, I, I and I get that, I get that, but I yeah. think it's important for it to be said. And that's why I'm saying. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, and 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 you're right. We we wanted to get Colin because he does. He, he is good, and 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 has a uh, a great perspective and a great. Uh, he writes a great column, uh, many many times. Mm-hmm. And I've said the same thing about Archibald, is where he's written something, and I always think, damn it, you know, it's just <laughs> yeah. I show, you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, the, I wanted to talk first about the the Shelby situation. We both we both wrote sure. a little bit about that. Uh, Shelby retiring and and who he is, you know, d- despite the fact, you know, I, I obviously have a more progressive, uh, liberal lean uh, here, and, uh, and and but I appreciate what Shelby has been, especially in the age of Trump, um, and, and how he has you know conducted himself in in a professional statesmanlike manner uh, over these especially the last four years, uh, but even even before that, I, you know, I think he had a lot of respect from a lot of people. Uh, around the state and and the way he was able to go about bringing home uh, federal dollars here because of his status and his stature uh, nationally and, and the respect right. that he had garnered over so many years and now that's going to be left up to senior senator Tommy Tuberville uh, it appears uh, <laughs> assuming he can keep himself out of prison yeah. uh, before uh, and then I you know the front runner for that spot at this point according to the polls uh, that we have seen and I'm assuming everybody has seen probably the same stuff floating around out there. Mo Brooks, because of name recognition alone, uh, is right. is is at the top of that. And so I guess just thoughts, you know, well, complaints. I mean, the thing, the thing that I keep going back to, and I think I had to go back at one point and figure out which was older and which happened first, if it's Alabamaification or Alabamaization, or which you came up with the term or term similar terms uh-huh. almost the same time. Uh, but, you know, I keep trying to put a definition on it and the best that I can come up with other than it's the politics of cutting off your nose, despite your face is that, you know, the problem with our politics today is these, the incentives are all screwed up. Like it is so much easier today to get attention, get name recognition, uh, get a, a, a base, build a base by going out being outlandish extremist and you know what we used to call acting a fool and instead of you know doing the stuff that senator shelby has done for decades which whether you agree with his politics or not he brought a lot of money to this state for projects that we would not have otherwise billions and billions and billions of dollars um instead of doing that sort of quiet but boring old political work because look governing is really supposed to be boring right mm-hmm. like it's 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 kind of like the road in front of your house if it's paved and it's nice you're never supposed to notice right, <laughs> right. if it's got a pothole in it 
you notice. Um, but this this disconnect between governing and politics has now gotten to such an extreme that the only way it seems to build a political career in Alabama and, and, and increasingly this country uh, is to go out and act a fool. And fools is what we get out of that process. And that's why I think Mo Brooks right now is the front runner. It's not necessarily because a lot of people approve of what he has done in the last six months or the last uh, 10 years, although a lot of people do, uh, it's because they know they know his name. And also the Republicans right now are just, yeah, of course, they, they always benefit by comparison Alabama to the Democrats, but they don't have a deep bench. There's not a lot of people, even though there have been lots of people who've been rumored to be waiting for this position to open up, um, they still seem really far away from it right now. Uh, and we could talk about a few of those, but I, I, it's just, we've got to figure out a way to elevate the voices and the people who work hard, whether we necessarily agree with their politics or not, and are not engaging in this, this, this sort of politics of cutting off your nose to spite your face. So let me. Yeah, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Ahead, I just want one, one, one quick yeah, thing. Go ahead. The, I wonder how much there, because there seems to be a a rebellious sort of aspect to to the way we vote in this state, to, to the way a lot of people mm. vote. It's it, right. it's almost like they take some great pride in electing the person that they shouldn't elect. Whether you know whether it be Barry Moore or Mo Brooks or Tommy Tuberville, you know even in in primaries against other Republicans, you know Barry Moore beat uh, Jeff Coleman, uh, you know uh, Tommy Tuberville well, beat Jeff let's, Sessions let's face and it, Coleman Bryant. had some issues, but yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I think, but I mean, he I was there is a, the, the boy, there, you know. Well, I always joke that the real the real motto of Alabama should be "We shall not be told." Uh, mm-hmm. We. <laughs> The, the hell you say that that should be what it says on our our quarter or you know right underneath the the communists that we we put on there um without anybody figuring it out it's um it is uh, it is very much in our nature and i, th- I think that's what happened in, in 2017 uh before we got to the general election they're just whether it's Robert Bentley or or Mitch McConnell trying to set up Luther Strange to be the next senator from Alabama, people didn't like it, and mm-hmm. said no, we're not going to do that. With Bradley Byrne running for governor, it was the exact same thing. People said no, this is you know you're not going to tell us who we have to choose. Uh, we're going to pick this other guy, and that other guy can you know it can be someone that is mild and not cut out for the job like robert bentley or it's just someone that's just plum crazy like like roy moore mm. yeah yeah mm. you know i wanted to ask you before we uh shift to other things uh kyle about these three bills that mo brooks has introduced uh it seems to be consistent with his pattern he's got this fixation uh this obsession really, with uh, immigrants. 
And so I was about to say, you're going to have to walk me through them as I didn't, I wasn't uh, aware that he'd actually introduced legislation of any type, but go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, um, uh, according to the same to, three. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. It's the same so, three he's been introducing for the last 10 years. Right. Right. But he's, he's introduced them again this year, the no social security mm-hmm. for illegal aliens act of 2021 which I think more or less speaks for itself, the Arrest Statistics Reporting Act, uh, and also the American Jobs First Act of 2021. And and all three of these are designed to, in some way, um, address his, uh, again, what I would argue is his unhealthy and bigoted obsession with, uh, with immigrants. He sees, he seems to see immigrants as the biggest threat facing Alabamians, as opposed as opposed to, uh, you know, COVID nineteen, or, 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 or <laughs> you know, just it doesn't make any sense, you know. Right. Uh, so I, I wonder. Uh, now I, I do believe that this is his own personal kind of uh, twisted psychosis at work here. But in addition to that, I wonder if it does in fact reflect something also or is indicative of something also about the people of the state, the people that he hopes will put him back in the Congress or even, or even elevate him to the Senate. Well, as long as you have a bad guy, a a boogeyman out there, whether it's, it's immigrants or other minority groups or, you know, somewhere from somebody from somewhere else, you don't have to look at yourself. You don't have to be reflective. You don't have to look at your own shortcomings. And so that's that's always a that's always going to be easy fuel in politics. And but he does seem to to really uh, he's not a Bradley Byrne who is going out there and trying to pretend to be somebody he's 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 not. Uh, you know, he does really seem to believe in those issues. Even though and and have an unhealthy obsession with them, I kind of wish that you know. I, I at one point I, I lost my social security card when I dropped my wallet someplace. I'm like, man, I hope that whoever, if someone uses my social security card, I hope they actually you know pay money into my social security and not right, right. Uh, which is what a lot of immigrants unfortunately do is that they're they're paying taxes. That's right. They're paying, right. They're, they're paying payroll taxes mm-hmm. into a system that they're not getting any benefit out of. So I don't, I'm not sure what his issue is there. Yeah. I've always thought the same, that the logic doesn't make any sense on that. But, but again, to, to follow up, you, you just said earlier, I think you said it well, that the state model actually ought to be, uh, you know, reflective of our, of, of the true contrarian nature of the Alabama voters. So when you take that and when you take the the positions that Mo Brooks takes, even though Josh and I, and I think you and others are rightly critical of Mo, I really just, more and more, I just think the real challenge that we've got in our state is just the voters. That it's not really, the, the, the politicians are just continuing to reflect where the vast majority of voters are, and that's what our real problem is. And and if I am right about that, I mean, what can we do to change that? Because it doesn't seem as though anything's working so far. I make a choice, and I suspect this is something that Josh has struggled with. I read his stuff closely. 
and we might have some disagreement here. I make a choice never to turn my guns on voters. Um, what you, that doesn't mean that what you said isn't true. Uh, but I see it as my job to hold public officials as accountable as I can to say when I think what they're doing is right is right or what they're doing is wrong is wrong and leave it to voters to make better decisions. That doesn't mean they're going to, that doesn't mean that they will. I do think that we need, you know, I, I, I do think Alabamians as a whole need to, to do some soul searching and ask, what is it that we really want out of government? Because, you know, if it, it seems like the the things that we should prioritize are pretty easy. You take everything that we're 50th or 49th or 47th in and say, we got to do better than this. And what are those things? It's it's quality of life issues. It's education. It's like, I think one year we scored, we were 52nd in, in math. And that was only because Puerto Rico got screwed up by a hurricane and the kids couldn't show up to take the test or we would have been 43, I mean, 53. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, every Alabamian should care about that. Every community should be making it their priority to fix these things. But yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier to go out there and say, no, it's not us. It's not, I mean, these problems are too big. You're not going to work. Don't worry about them. We'll worry about illegal immigrants. Right. Um, because all that other stuff is hard work. And who, who wants to do hard work? Um, but look, I mean, there, there are people that are, that are going to run this race on the Republican ticket. Uh, one that, you know, name that's out there in particular is, is, is Katie Britt. Uh, there's some others, uh, John Merrill, a few others. I'm not sure who is interested on the Democratic side. Uh, that would make, you know, I believe better senator a better senator than Mo Brooks. Uh, the thing that I I I really struggle with as a journalist is, you know, how do I even go out and say, you know, guys, you should maybe consider, you know, someone like Katie Britt, without immediately poisoning the well for someone like Katie Britt. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, there's a. a there, we shall not be told. The hell you say? Yeah. Screw her. Yeah. Uh, she's just the establishment pick. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought many times of trying to establish a system where a Republican people pay me not to praise them or to criticize them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, listen, I, I understand what you're saying about uh, the voters and um, and not going. I I don't I don't take that approach because I what what uh, what I what often bothers me is the separation that people have uh between government and the voters um and and this it's like it's they they've removed themselves from this uh from the entity that is government and it's like it's a separate company over here doing these things that oh well, the government's gonna screw it up oh well you know how it is with the government you know and it's just to me that removes the responsibility that we all share here in this representative yeah. government that we have and and it uh, it it lets you off the hook for electing 
an utter moron uh, there because he was, you know, the reality TV star that glided down the escalator or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it would be funny to have him be the outsider. Uh, and, and so, you know, that I think I understand, though, not not coming down too hard because there is, I think, a line there where you just you, you cross it. And I've probably crossed it several times, but uh, of, of beating up people and to the point where they turn you they tune you out. Uh, and and don't listen anymore but at, at the same time i just i hate the idea of of giving people who would elect mo brooks a pass for not saying hey wait a minute that guy's been there 10 years and he's passed one bill to rename a damn post office up here you know uh <laughs> yeah. i mean really that's it that's his accomplishment in yeah. 10 years is ranting like a uh, the crazy neighbor at the community pool against the black kids and Passing the bill to rename the post office, uh, and right. I, I just you know I, I to me there is responsibility of these people who are then going to take that guy and put him in the U.S. Senate. I mean, get the hell out of here after you've put in Tommy Tuberville. I mean, there, there's right. got to be some accountability to the people who are doing that. Yeah, and when I try to write about it, if I do go there, I, I just try to say I use the word we a lot, even though I'm not. <laughs> really talking about people like myself, <laughs> no. uh, you know. I, uh, I, I do think it's important that we recognize that we're we're all in this together, um, and we are accountable. Even if I may have voted for somebody different, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Even if I took a little time, fifteen right. minutes before I went to the polls to at right. least read about who was on the ballot, you know. And right. uh, no, I, 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 it just. To me, that that sort of thing, and you know, it's just it drive it it just drives me crazy when the people just show up and vote for the team. And, and no, you that, make a good is, argument is, about. I mean, well, and I hate that too. And that's what you know. I began my career as someone who, you know, when I started writing for Birmingham Weekly here in Birmingham, I, I thought my mission was to get people to care about politics. When I was young, if you cared as much as most people do today about politics people kind of looked at you funny, like they, like you were the nerd in the class, like there's something wrong mm-hmm. with you. Now the problem is everybody cares about politics. They just don't <laughs> no. spend any time thinking about it. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and some of the folks that I see calling themselves, you know, that, that, that believe in, in Donald Trump and, and think he's their guy, you know, some of them aren't that far apart from Bernie Sanders. Like it's, it's kind of yeah. weird. Like there's, there's, mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost the, the and they're just mad and they want to throw a rock through a window. I mean, it, it, or mm-hmm. they just think the system's rigged against them and they're not really digging down into like policy issues or really getting down to the nitty gritty of even necessarily knowing what they're voting for. Yeah. So, I mean, my job going forward is, is not going to be about getting people to care about politics. I think we've accomplished that. Unfortunately, the job yes. is to get people to think about politics. Yeah. Let me yeah. ask you and, one and they, you know what they have they have the ability they have the ability because these same people who aren't thinking about politics can tell you how the left guard didn't pull out fast enough on the sweep to the right you know right. uh, <laughs> in, in the football game and right. you know and and the, and who his backup right. is that should come in and replace him right, right. now you know on the on the high school football team right. so that's just you know so they have the ability but I'm yeah. sorry David go ahead yeah I just want to ask real quickly about uh, you said. You said you don't know who's uh, looking at running on the Democratic side, and and uh, we don't either, even though we hear different names. But but I am curious to know, based on your your reporting, 
what do you think the best profile would be for a candidate on the Democratic side to run for U.S. Senate? What, what does that person look like in terms of demographics, uh, geography, and whatever else comes to mind? Well, in a fit on Twitter the other day, I, I kind of accidentally started a draft Chris England movement um, because I have a lot of respect for for uh, Mr. England. A lot of, I mean, even Republicans in the legislature do. Um, and there were just a lot of people. The moment that they uh, that they heard that this was going to be a thing, were like, "Oh, we got what about Doug Jones? Maybe Doug Jones can come back and do it again." Like. No, this it, it, the, the Alabama Democratic Party needs and and Democrats in and outside the state um, need to look broad more broadly than one person. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think first of all, I've I've respected um, Chris England for years. I mean, he's always been a very sharp, clear voice of reason very consistent voice of reason in the Alabama legislature. Um, even his colleagues there who disagree with him or in, uh, in the other party, I think would, would agree with that assessment. And he's also, forgive the, my, 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 my language here, also someone who doesn't put up with a lot of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And someone who can you know, call out if it's a candidate like Mo Brooks, someone who can speak clearly and directly to um, that madness. Because I, I think, you know, Doug Jones is sort of an iterative step. You know, he he tried to speak about kitchen table issues and really ignore his opponents, whether that was Roy Moore or Tommy Tuberville. Uh, he did go negative against Tuberville toward the end. But, you know, otherwise is always talking about kitchen table issues. And I think I think it's time to have a Democrat that doesn't apologize for being a Democrat. It's not one of these. I'm not going to call out anybody by name. But if your initials are Walt Maddox um, talking about you, (laughs) who goes out and says, you know, I'm I'm a Democrat, but I'm really pro-life or I'm a Democrat, but I love guns. You know, I just doesn't make a lot of apologies, but really starts speaking about what they think the strengths of, of their party is. And, you know, if it's not, if it's not Chris England, it's someone like Chris England, who, who, first of all, one thing Democrats have got to do in this state, they got to get more younger voters out. Um, from what I've seen and what I, I, I'm, you know, still digging into the results from this last election, uh, if you were 55 or older, you voted. If you were 55 mm-hmm. or younger, you stayed home. And that's one part of the reason why we saw the blowout that we did here in the Senate race is a lot of younger voters just were not, for whatever reason, energized. And those people, those those demographics, those younger demographics poll strongly for Democrats. They just don't show up and vote for Democrats. So I think you need a younger you need younger candidates. Um, you need, you know, you need candidates like we just saw who are successful in, in the Georgia race, you know, now if it's Mo Brooks versus, let's say it were Mo Brooks versus Chris England, 
I'm not sure Chris wins that race, but I think he would speak in a way that people would be compelled to listen. And there's also, if it is one, it does wind up being Mo Brooks on the Republican side of that race. Mm -hmm. There's a really great opportunity here because I do not believe that Mo Brooks will turn down a debate. If he's 50 points ahead in the polls, I do not believe that he would turn down a debate. This is the one time, I mean, he's like Marty McFly in the Back to the Future movies. If someone calls him chicken, like he's going he's gonna to agree to a debate. And it would be a hell of a contrast if you have this wild-ass crazy ideologue on one side of the stage and someone who is genuinely intelligent and has thought through a lot of this stuff and can speak to voters outside of his own party the way that Chris can. I, you know, I think that, uh, and we'll get you out here. I know we've, we've kept you a little while. No, uh, I'm enjoying this. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I think that, that Chris, um, I'll, I'll say this. I think the Alabama Democratic Party has got some issues that need to be solved and internally. Uh, obviously, as they're still filing lawsuits, um, right. and yeah. and not you know I, I worry some uh, not at all about Chris as a candidate because he would be fantastic as a candidate because you know you listen to him talk and nobody ultimately when he gets finished talking everybody's going oh yeah okay yeah that's that's pretty true uh, even the people that had the bill that he's arguing against you know really like, yeah well, Chris makes a good point uh, you know but um, yeah. you know I, I worry that there is some that that. The, the conflict, you know, the old fight between, you know, the Englands and the, and the Reeds uh, would, would, would cause an issue there somewhere along the way. And I really, they've got to stop that. Uh, you know, they've yeah, got they to get do. everybody back, back together. And it's cause it's not helping. And, and ultimately they're, you know, they're all on the same side. It's just, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, to me, you, you look at what's, uh, what's out there and what's available, and I think this is where the Alabama Democratic Party is is vulnerable from for now for the foreseeable future is they have not developed candidates that are uh, viable on, on a statewide level uh, in so long that I don't know how how they get back to that very quickly. Um, you know, that, that, not to say there were bad candidates at, at all. I'm not, I'm not criticizing the candidates, so I don't right. want anybody to, to, to think that that's what I'm saying, but it, it's, there's more to it than just being a good candidate. You know, the, there's the whole promotion of people and, and, and getting them out there and, and having, you know, a communications hub that, that makes sure everybody gets pushed and you, you get them on radio shows and TV shows and on social media and you push it out and, and they haven't done that in so long. I'm not sure that they have an opportunity for the next five, six years uh, to really make uh, a good run at anything. Whoa, Josh. Well, I mean, I mean, statewide, statewide me heartburn. I think sadly what Doug Jones proved in this last go round is that this is going to be a long game for the Democrats, not a short one. They've got to do what Republicans did uh, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and say, we're going to start slowly building our party. Mm-hmm. And you know they had to they have to throw out the four year plan and put in place a twenty year plan and mm. that's and also targeting races paying particular t- attention to races where 
they could, you know, that they have the chance to, you know, you're, there's no way that they're going to take the majority in the Alabama legislature, but they could break the Republicans' supermajority. And I think that yeah. would be better for everybody if you had a legislature that, you know, one party doesn't just have, you know, filibuster-proof or, or veto-proof mm -hmm. rule. I mean, that's just, I don't think it, I don't think it works. That's how you get, you know, things like the monuments bill passing through or the abortion ban that embarrassed us in front of the entire country. Um, and even people within those parties, in the Republican party in those circumstances, like, man, am I really going to have to go vote for this? Do we need this to come up right now? <laughs> um, and I, I just, but yeah, I think they need to they need to focus on races that they that where they can be competitive. You know, I've heard some talk about well, maybe we can run you know people secretly as independents. I don't think that works. I think you look you, you need no. to be out there explaining to people. You know, you have to sort of be. You know, everybody hates Jehovah's Witnesses when they come to your door, but by golly, they get out there and they try to tell people what they believe. Yeah, and you have to sort of operate with that that faith, and you know, keep building that snowball over. If it takes twenty years, uh, I don't think it will take twenty years. I think it'll probably take closer to twelve, uh, which sounds like a long mm. ways out. But that's wow. that's three election cycles, right? Yeah, you're right. I, th I think you can build it a lot faster now because of the media availability that you have with, with social media and how instant and personal it can all be. But, you know, I, I, you've got to start at the bottom and work your way up. I mean, look, the, the Rove plan that they put in place here, you know, especially for Alabama, they didn't start at the top of the ticket. They started down right. towards the bottom in races that nobody was paying any attention to, like the Supreme Court and appellate courts. Uh, and, you know, and started building that thing from from the bottom up, and you got a bunch of people who you recognized at that point who could go out and and win races, and uh, and I think that's where you got to focus. You got they, I thought they did have a lot of good candidates uh for for certain offices. It's just that those they were maybe running for the wrong office. And you also have to be prepared for. I mean, look, the Republicans tried and tried and tried for years until '86 when the dam cracked for them, right? Mm -hmm. And they got Guy Hunt of all people into the governor's <laughs> mansion, but you have to be, you know, was what's the saying? Um, fortune favors the prepared. Um, yeah, it, it, we had monumental screw ups. All three head, heads of of, the, of our three branches of government in Alabama, either were pushed out, uh, convicted forced to resign. And that should have been the moment the Democrats said, we, we, can, we can do better than this. But they weren't prepared yeah. to take advantage of, of the Republicans falling over themselves. Yeah, yeah we, we could step over that bar you've left laying on the ground for us. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, really, it's just, you know. Well, it, you know, again, I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you guys, but it's just really depressing to hear you talk about 12 years or, Hey, Stacey Abrams worked on it for 10 years and she's probably yep. going to be the next governor of Georgia. Mm, I mean, yeah. you got it. It's, it's hard work. Yeah. It, it's, it's going to take a long time, but mm. uh, the thing that I'm, I'm learning, uh, <laughs> I'm learning two things at the same time as I get older. One is that time passes a lot faster than you, <laughs> that 12 years in, in, <laughs> yeah. is not as long as it used to be. Yeah. And also yep. I don't have a lot of years left. <laughs> 
Which is part of the reason I'm lamenting this, because I know I don't have a lot of years left, and I'm thinking, geez, I sure would like to be alive to see some of that change, you know? Bob Riley used to say there's one way to eat an elephant, and it's one bite at a time. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is the reason why why I'll say, you know, no matter what criticisms we have uh, for for Doug and for some of the things that, that went on, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest thing the, the the wrestling control of the party away from the people that were in control for so long, uh, I think will ultimately prove to be a legacy for him that is a good one uh, that it, that that represents change in this state. And it, it also it's not just wrestling control away, but also bringing people into the party and mm-hmm. giving them a, a place and a voice specifically. The young, I mean, what was the biggest block of, of, of new executive committee members that they brought in? It was youth. It was, it was yeah. younger members of the party. I mean, Nancy Worley used to begin every Democratic executive committee by listing off all the state Democrats who had died. It wasn't a party meeting. It was an obituary, right? And <laughs> I mean, for real. And... Now, now from her got, toilet, she did yeah, it from the toilet. From the toilet. <laughs> but now they've got a lot of younger people who are very eager to to participate. And yeah, they may be new and they may not know what the hell they're doing. But that's what old folks are there for—is to show them, you know, to to work with them. So I I I think you're right. I, I think uh, Doug's legacy, if 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 he doesn't go further in politics or doesn't wind up getting an appointment from the Biden administration, which I still don't think that's completely out. It may yeah. be a year or two down the road, um, but his legacy right now in Alabama politics is that he's the guy who uh, put the paddles to the chest of the of the of the Alabama Democratic Party and 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 got its heart beating again. Yeah, and I and I don't want to leave out uh, Chris England, Anthony Daniels, and and several other people that were there behind the scenes working and and, oh, and working I mean, with that as well. And I mean, it is uh, a I whole mean, bunch Doug, of Doug got it done yeah. because of his standing, you know, nationally with the party. And well, and he uh, had money. That, that it took agent. money to yeah. to rent out that that hall at the at the uh, at the hotel down yeah. there to have those meetings. Um, yep, it yeah. it worked. So. Well, I still say, uh, and I know we got to wrap up here, but I still continue to say that uh, the Democratic Party is not going to move forward in any productive way. And I think both of you have alluded to this. Until we resolve the, the Joe Reed situation, and, and I continue to maintain that the resolution of it has to be done in a way where Joe Reed is given the respect that he has earned for his legacy, regardless of how you feel about you know, what he's done with his choices or, or his power or whatever else. And I'm certainly yeah. not suggesting that he's been a perfect leader, but I'm suggesting that he has a legacy that has to be, I think, affirmed and acknowledged in order for there to be any kind of resolution. And I'm not, and, and this is not, you know, and this is not about, for me, as I see it, this is not an ego question solely, though I think it is to some degree that for people on both sides of this debate, but it's also about a following. And there are a lot of people, a lot of black people who look at Joe and rightly respect him and respect his legacy, and they want to see him get that respect. 
Well, the second thing too, and and this, um, this is something that that you know one of the reasons behind me saying that you know I would like to see Chris England hopefully win a bigger office, but I think it would be very healthy for them just as in any institution to establish now that party offices are not things that last for 10 or 20 years for people and that you need a rotating group of leaders just so that you have new ideas always coming into the mix. Uh, I, I don't think it is healthy for a party to have uh, people either in official capacities or unofficial capacities sit in those jobs for, you know, decades. I, I just, I don't think that that works. But you're absolutely right. I mean, whatever Joe Reed is, he's a fighter. Uh, <laughs> he's been there for a very long time. What he has, he got from by his own means. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he has he's done a lot of good for people, too, that gets gets overlooked. Uh, but you're right. There needs to be, you know, there needs to be a Jimmy Carter to, to walk in here and sit all these folks down at the table and make some peace if they're going to 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 be a, a good you know a functional party yeah I, i'll say this before we, we get out I, I you know i i feel like a lot of people felt like that had been done uh internally at the party uh that things were moving forward and then the lawsuit hit and everybody went oh wait apparently some people are still pissed uh but uh <laughs> uh yeah i mean uh you know and i say that as somebody who I like Joe. I, I mean, you know, I'm from Montgomery. And so I've seen Joe in action and, uh, you know, for a long time and the, the man knows how to run a room and, you know, and I really, really like Steven a lot. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's, you know, and I felt like if things had been, had been, had been put aside there and, and they had moved forward and some, some overtures had been made, but you know, that's, Neither here nor there. I, you know, we'll we'll see how it all ends up, and I and I hope Joe gets the respect that he he really does deserve. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's done some really great things, especially in Montgomery, and so I hope that 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 all works out. But Kyle, man, it's been a pleasure. I know we kept we didn't even get to talk here. about Tommy Tuberville and uh, whether he knew about the insurrection before it happened. But maybe we'll talk about that well, next time. <laughs> well, we all know he did. So <laughs> or I mean, maybe they'll call him as a witness, and we'll get to find out on the Senate floor. But well, I don't think that's going to happen either. As I think Tommy, they talked about it around Tommy, and he still didn't know it's <laughs> gonna happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is you know, That's... anybody who watched some of his game plans on on Saturdays in the fall would not be surprised by that at all. Uh, uh, especially the one against Vandy that day. Oh, it comes um, back to football uh, in Alabama. It does. Yeah. It does. Always. Uh, hey, Kyle, uh, Kyle Whitmire has joined us and, and it has been an absolute pleasure and re yes. we will, as long as you have time, we'll get you back on yeah. at some point. Josh, right? David, thank yeah. you very much for having me on here. Great Avenue, Kyle. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Yeah. All right. We're going to slide out of here. Uh, we'll be back to Alabama politics this week in just a moment. Hey, I want to, if we could, for just a minute, talk about AFL-CIO, uh, because they, they sponsor this, this, this fine program, um, and all of the great information that contained within uh, this fine program. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, you've probably heard uh, a little bit more of late about unions uh, because of what's happening uh, around the Birmingham area with Amazon. Uh, the Amazon facility there is trying to unionize. 
there are also some some issues with the Hyundai plant uh, down near Montgomery, and um, the federal court uh, ruled in favor of some of the employees down there in in regards to union uh, uh, unionization effort that's taking place in in at, at that facility and and some of the suppliers and. You know, I, I'll say this. I said it on uh, Twitter, I believe, or on Facebook, one of, one of the two this week, which will, will not be a surprise to anybody who's listened to me before. But uh, to me, the fastest way possible back to a thriving middle class uh, is through the return of, of union and union work. Um, I, just, I just think that it ends. It, to me, you can draw a straight line from the decline in worker wages to, to what's taking place uh, at, at, at some of these places with with unions uh, not being around. Oh, yeah, without question. Uh, our nation is a better nation when people have working conditions they can count on and when they have the kind of safety net that unions provide, not only in terms of working conditions, but also just in terms of, of pay and benefits. We know the, you know, history's already documented what business can do and will do if given the opportunity uh, that that puts workers at a disadvantage. So uh, there's no question in my mind that we've got to have, uh, you know, we've got to have a state where unions are more welcome and where people can get those protections. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And listen, if you if you want to know a little bit more about the AFL-CIO Alabama uh, and the work they do, go to their website AFL-CIO Alabama uh, and and look up some of the some of the recommendations that are there. Uh, there's phone numbers and contacts and people in your area that you can talk to. And and really, uh, if you're in a in a in a line of work where you feel like unionization uh, would benefit you and the and the folks you work with every day, reach out. Talk to them, see what they can tell you. Uh, I guarantee you, you know they'll have some good ideas, and 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 if you you do unionize, you'll, you'll be a better workplace uh, for it. So uh, and and really, uh, we really thank them for for sponsoring this fine podcast and uh, and helping us helping us out. And you know, every now and then, uh, you know, getting some information out to people. That's uh, that's what we do. Alrighty, welcome back in Alabama politics this week. Uh, Definitely the segment right after Kyle Whitmire and not hours later because I screwed up the recording. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't even yeah, know. I know. It's, it's, this is uh, totally not totally nothing wrong at all. It's uh, this is right after Kyle and uh, he just finished and we were great with that interview and everything went went fantastic and uh, so no problems at all. But uh, seamless, hey, man, seamless. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Um, so you know, we're we're uh because we ran long on the first segment and on on the Kyle segment, uh we're gonna we're gonna hustle along here on the on the close here and jump right to the right wing note of the week because that's also gonna be our discussion here, which is uh, Tommy Tuberville, um and his um <sighs> uh, his complete and utter uh involvement i guess is the right word in the insurrection planning and and i mean i don't it's it's so listen i i think i've said before i know tommy a little bit you know i mean i've covered him in the past and and i feel like 
you, you know, I, obviously he's been doing his right wing thing and playing this role. And, and to me, that's it's all been a little phony because I've known him and, and I've heard him talk, you know, candidly about topics and issues and things. You know, it was all related to football, but it was, you know what I mean? You, you get a feel for a person and, and that, yeah. what what you've seen over the last little bit, that, that wasn't really him. It was him playing this stupid role and, and yeah, whatever, whatever he wanted to do. It, it got him the seat and good for him, I guess. And uh, But, you know, I, I just can't imagine he's this guy. And, and, it, and so I think it's just a matter of him being so dumb and 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 purposefully ignorant uh here of what's going on and you know i think he's just he is the patsy uh you know which is kind of what i wrote i mean he's like this patsy for trump and i think they they saw him as that that guy somebody who was usable pliable and that they could uh use to what sort of cover or obscure some of what they were trying to do? Well, I think somebody that they felt like they could, um, they could oh, basically fool into into doing certain things for him. I mean, like on the recording, you heard Giuliani talking about how they wanted him to to slow this process down, just slow it down. And and now, I mean, we know from from what happened and what everything else has come out, they wanted it slowed down so Trump would have time to rile up that base of, of you know idiots uh, that follow him, and you know and. Um, and, and get and put pressure on all these other Republicans there to overturn the election results. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're not saying, we're definitely not saying that he's not responsible. Oh, hell no. He's definitely responsible. I'd like for him to go to prison. Right. Yeah. You'd like for him to what? I'd like for him to go to prison for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind him serving a couple months, you know? Well, um, I, you know, I don't know. To me, he's a tougher case because there's so much that I don't know that we'll ever be able to. Yeah. There's so much that I don't know that we'll ever really truly be able to to know about what he actually did to facilitate what happened on January the 6th. But we do know for sure Giuliani reached out to him. Mm-hmm. We do know for sure that he was at least in the hotel mm-hmm. where the meeting was planned and, right. and and some place him in the meeting, though he denies being in the meeting, right? Right. Okay. So, um, you know, I don't know. I I think I think that I think Tuberville is and then of course we know that he also voted uh to overturn mm-hmm. the election results. So mm-hmm. I mean there's enough there to say for sure that he was on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Uh, to what extent he was complicit in what happened. I don't know that I'm ready to go that far. I mean, to me, Mo Brooks's case is clear. Yeah. It's, it's unambiguous. Uh, I even would say Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley. I think his case is clear and unambiguous mm-hmm. that he helped to incite uh, by virtue of some of the things he did before and afterwards. Of course, Trump is clear. Yeah. He's clearly seditious. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> well, I mean, I can be convinced, I guess, to to back off. I, and I didn't want him to go for long, just for a little while. Um, and, you know, um, you know, have a nice taste of it. Of being, this is what of stupid. This is what stupid gets you. Uh, you know, and. Uh, but 
I'll say this. I think we, because there's also one other thing is he was also on the phone with Trump uh, at the time of, you know, the mob breached the Capitol and right. was apparently telling Trump where Mike Pence was. Um, you know, I, I don't think that, that Trump was then directing the mob to that. I, I don't want to leave leave that out there as, as though that's what I'm saying here. But, uh, you know, he was he was talking to them and telling him that, that Pence had left the, uh, the Capitol. And, and then later... Later, after all this had gone on, he goes back into that room and votes against the election results for these states that he clearly has has no idea about. He didn't have any idea about. I mean, I, honestly, I don't think he could find Arizona if you gave him the map. Uh, you know, and much less knew about their their election results and what had what had taken place. And in addition to that, the complaints that they had in Arizona and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and some of these other places were were about rule changes that we we did in this state. We we right. we made the same rule changes, and and it just matter of fact, you, it can be argued that the rule change that John Merrill put in place that essentially allowed no excuse absentee voting uh, throughout the state was a much bigger change. And much shadier since he was essentially telling people to lie uh, on the form. I mean, that's basically what he told everybody was, hey, you know, we're, nobody's going to question you if you put right. down COVID as an excuse, you know, right. which was, right. you know, hell, just put it down. And so, well, I, I mean, that's a much bigger, I mean, imagine if there was a contest in this state of what took place and it came out that that took place. You know what I mean? I mean, that no, seems no, like I, a very legal challenge to me. But No, I, I agree with you 100% on that. I, and, and, and we know that Republicans would be raising hell if that was done, you know, in a state and, you know, where uh, they, they clearly lost. And, mm-hmm. and, and in fact, they, you know, that's, what, of course, what they argue, I guess. But, but, but getting back to Tuberville and, and being on the phone with Trump, the one thing I will say is he clearly had an opportunity to challenge the president to do something, mm-hmm. you know, to stop the violence. Uh, he had an opportunity to try to dissuade Trump from taking actions or, 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 or from language that would put Pence and others at risk. And, and of course, it's not clear whether or not Tuberville simply listened to Trump and mm-hmm. said nothing or whether or not he said something positive or negative. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that he was on the phone with him, I think, is damning. I think it's more damning related to Trump than to, than to Tuberville. But it certainly raises, again, I think, valid questions about yeah. what, trouble, what, what role Tuberville may have played. Yeah, and, and, that, and yeah. that I think needs to be looked at. And I think you made a a pretty good point there too. In um, in that you know he had an opportunity to to do something, and that's what we expect from leaders. All right, we we don't expect you to go up there and go along with the flow and be uh you know conned stupidly into this into this scam uh, that this guy's running. Uh, you know, that's not what we need. We need somebody, uh, you know, you don't have to agree with the Democrats or, or whatever on, on policy and things like that. Nobody's saying that. But when right. it comes to, to something like this, you know, we need somebody there that's going to, when the phone rings and the president's on the other end and you're, and he's talking about 
you know, things that you pretty clearly know. If you're an adult with a working brain, you knew at this point that the president was wrong about what he was saying, all right? Mm -hmm. But instead of taking this stand, he he went the other way with it. And, you know, now, of course, he's he's saying, uh, it's, you know, we record on Thursday and Thursday afternoon, he's saying, well, I, you know, I think the, the house managers have made a very compelling case and I'm, I'm going to be very objective on this and I'm going to uh, listen to this, but I, I, I really need to hear from the other side. But uh, at this point, you know, they, they've made a really strong case uh, for what they've shown me uh, here. And, um, you know, and maybe so. Maybe he's he's one of these people. You know, you you saw you see this a lot with uh, cases like um, Ray Rice. Uh, the video yeah. of Ray Rice came out. You know, we knew the story of him. You know, beating his his girlfriend or whatever. But when that video hit and you yeah. saw it, that was a whole yeah. different story, man. For yeah. a lot of people, chilling. Uh, yeah. Chilling. And, and so I think that maybe he's 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 that kind of a guy, you know. That uh, he's once he saw those videos, he thought, "Oh, holy shit! You know, I almost died uh, here." And a lot of other people almost died. I mean, Mitt Romney came within, you know, Mitt Romney and Chuck Schumer came within feet of of dying. Uh, you know, I think it was Officer Goodman that led Romney away, and uh, Schumer and them. You know, they they made the turn around the corner and then come sprinting back on that video. And uh, I mean, it's. That was pretty scary stuff, and not to mention Pelosi's uh, staffers that were hiding out in the in the interior office uh, there, and while the people were kick literally kicking down the doors, uh, mm. trying to get in, uh, yeah. and it just I mean it, it was such a terrible thing, and it and the 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 worst part of it is is you know that one little incident, one move the wrong way. One officer Goodman not being in the right spot at the right time, and that thing would have been a catastrophe that we talk about and tell kids about and stuff for generations. Uh, I mean, right. well, well, uh, you're right, and I think we're already going to be doing that. But yeah, it would have been ten times worse because mm -hmm. we'd have been talking about perhaps constitutional officers, you know, uh, being <clears throat> being killed. Mm -hmm. You know, Pelosi or or. Um, or Pence, or, I mean, it's just, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, I mean, that's, you know, Tuberville's our right-wing nut of the week, but really yeah. pretty much all those people at the Capitol were the right-wing nuts forever. <laughs> and, and and I think you've said before, uh, you know, Mo Brooks is always the right-wing nut. We know that. Uh, <laughs> He's the LeBron James of right-wing yeah. nuts. <laughs> LeBron. Everybody knows LeBron's the MVP, but sometimes we give it to somebody else, uh, you know, just, just to break up the monotony of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, um, it's definitely not late at night and we're definitely not doing this much later than we should be. Uh, and so we're going <laughs> to go ahead and slide on out of here. Uh, we're definitely not going to go eat dinner. Yeah, right. We're exactly. not going to do that. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, that's, it's been a fun one. Appreciate uh, Kyle Whitmire coming on. Till next week. See you guys then. Peace.